0: Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. This podcast series will feature selected sessions from the 4th International Workshop on Acute Leukemias which was held in Nice, France. In this session you will hear from experts Bijal Shah, Sabina Chiaretti, Elias Jabour and Nicolas Boissel. Who discuss the evolution of therapy in acute lymphoblastic leukemia and debate the role of several immunotherapies in this disease?
1: Hi, I'm Bijal Shah. I'm uh, here with uh, Dr. Sabina Ciretti, Dr. Elias Jabour, Dr. Nicolas Baswal at the International Working Group for Acute Leukemias in Nice, France. And uh, it's my pleasure to talk to all three of you about the evolution of therapy in adult ALL finally. Sabina if you could tell me first what's changing in Philadelphia positive ALL
0: well in Philadelphia positive ALL in this moment everything is changing because we pass from a, a moment in which the prognosis was horrible and it's not so far time ago to a moment in which we can uh, and we are realizing uh, and Sapienza and the end several groups are realizing an approach in which we are not using chemotherapy anymore by targeting, dual targeting uh, leukemic cells. From one side using uh, TKIs, uh, second or third generation TKIs, plus uh, Blinatumumab, specific monoclonal antibodies. And I think that uh, from our study, the d Alba study, which was followed from uh, another trial which is currently ongoing uh, with in plus Blinatumab. Uh, that, that the the results are quite sound. We have under uh, the side a follow up of 40 months, and we can show that the overall survival and disease free survival is in the range of 80%. So the results are quite impressive. This is incredible. Similar results with a shorter follow-up are from the MD Anderson. They are now using a, a similar approach, using a, both ponatinib and blenatumab, different schedules in the way of administration, but we seem to go the same direction.
1: So are, Elias, are we at a point
2: now where pH positive ALL is no longer high risk? Well, definitely it's not a high risk. Uh, I think pH positive ALL, it is what CML used to be in 2000 when imatinib came to the market. I think it's a revolution in this treatment. I think the best disease to have in AL is a pH positive. In fact, uh, we're not doing any more transplant. Uh, we went from intensive chemotherapy to transplantation to immunotherapy with the target therapy, and transplant maybe a minority. And the next step will be: Can you imagine, Bijal, like curing stopping therapy? So we're now target. We're now following this patient with NGS to look for the response, sustainability of the response, and slope of the response, and maybe one day be able to offer therapy for like three, four years, and we're done. Hmm. We're not there yet, but we're going there. This is very... I mean, I still
1: remember the original uh, trial data, right? It was around 25% long-term survival only in patients who were transplanted with imatinib and chemotherapy. Uh, So it's it's remarkable to see what's what's changed. Dr. Bosal, Cartesyl therapy, we, we had a nice conversation about that. And one of the challenges with pH positive ALL, or, or at least in the past, was the development of central nervous system involvement. Can you speak to the efficacy of cartesyl therapy in managing those patients? Is it something where we still need to consolidate with transplant, or are, are the, how are the results looking?
3: You mean patient with CNS involvement, or in general? Isolated
1: CNS involvement using, uh, using cartesyl therapy.
3: So, I think that we have enough data now to say that uh, CAR T cells are efficient for for patients with uh, CNS infiltration, even if we lack uh, huge data in the field, because, uh, as you know, many of the patients that were included in the study uh, had to have controlled CNS disease before to be treated. But now, uh, there are real-world evidence that uh, those patients with history of CNS relapse or with CNS relapse at the time of apheresis uh, do quite well with uh, with CarT cell. We know that CarT cell are able to, uh, to to go to cross the, bron- the, the blood-brain barrier and and to control the, the the CNS disease. So in in this patient, on our experience, we do not add any therapy to CarT cell, and uh, um, I think that. We need more data, but it's what what we do now. Wonderful.
1: Dr. Jabour, I mean, Elias, um, tell me for non-CNS EMD. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, I had shared during my talk, but I was also surprised by it. It seemed as though we're still having some difficulty managing those patients. You had mentioned that uh, maybe antibody therapies could provide some benefit there.
2: Correct, you know, uh, Bijal, we heard about doing the presentation about INO, and CAR T-cells, but I don't think we should pick one or the other. The best approach is how to use them in an optimal fashion, maybe combination, a sequential approach. We know that INO works so well in the extremity disease. No, the response are short-lived. So what we're doing, what we did in Houston, is to embark into a combination of mini-CVD INO, get the tumor bulk, blowing the tumor bulk, and then add the Blenna sequentially, and then eventually cart T cells. Mm-hmm. And now we moved another r- uh, level, uh, so we moved to another level, is by doing those min- dense mini mini-CVD-Inoblenna together. So we do the four days of ino chemotherapy. On day five, four, we start the Blenna. So we downgrade the tumor, because you early resp- You see the response happening really early on. And add the Blenna, and take advantage of the maximum combination, and one thing I would like to hear your opinion on that, because I don't think CAR-T should be offered as they are. And you mentioned you thought maybe CAR-T to go replacing allotransplant in your conclusion and go for endometrial. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but I think what we can do is for these patients with a high risk to get the inoblina, because they're gonna be frontline no matter what we will do, and you hear I don't buy, I don't believe this. So essentially, ioblena are here to stay in the front line. So we either had CAR consolidation, or CAR T will be for multiple failure and for a short survival. So I think you get your ioblena, mini-CVD, for example, you want to call it, or call it whatever you want, because people are sensitive for mini-CVD. Mini-CVD, inoblena, had CAR consolidation, do a pilot trial, and then impact into randomized trial for high-risk patients, you randomize them to mini CVD, I know, whatever, followed by either CAR T or allotransplant to harvest patients and prove the point.
1: You know, I'm, I'm going to go further. I would say for high risk, we don't need randomized data. And and I, I will tell you, this is my honest be opinion. Sure, I'm
2: coming from a place where <laughs> I don't do randomized trials, but just because I know some people next to me are sensitive <laughs> to this point, I uh, want you, you to know that. <laughs>
1: but I do think for low and intermediate risk, and, and again, um, trying to understand how we use these tools as, 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 as complementary, right? And not competing, but complementary for the optimal management of acute leukemia is going to be important. And I have to tell you, uh, I, I was talking to one of your colleagues, Nicholas Short, the other day. I'm really uh, impressed by the combination of inotuzumab and map for, for several reasons, not just because it works and because it's safe, but you know, ultimately if that proves effective in the long term, you heard a question today, can we add anything to CAR T-cell immunotherapy, meaning actually during the CAR T-cell immunotherapy phase, maybe part of our lymphodepletion now includes the addition of inotuzumab, understanding that it's half-life, may actually, again, control those patients with higher tumor burden, may give us some uh, some ability to optimize immunotherapy. Panatinib and blinatumomab again, highly, highly successful therapeutic approach in Philadelphia, ALL, but what if it has not as much to do with controlling the ALL. What if all of those other targets that we're hitting, you know, and and this is something that uh, Dr. Nithin-Jane's gonna be studying, uh, looking at uh, panatinib in TALL, but... Is there an immunotherapeutic benefit to some of those targets? Can we start now integrating therapies onto a CAR T-cell backbone to extend our remission duration? These are all fascinating questions to me, but again, building on what you said, these are complementary.
2: You know, but we've seen the real-world data with the CAR T, essentially the best outcome is seen in a negative setting. So people were concerned about B-cell expansion, correct? Uh, and all things. Uh, and you know, the data is fascinating where you get the best outcome when you have no disease. So, where, uh, if I want to go back to financial question, because I hear from colleagues in Europe here, well, it's expensive, and when they get email and all things. But if I invest into a product, it will be best strategy to invest up front and put my money up front and have the best doctor. Theoretically, we agree. Really no, it's good that MD um, Anderson showed the way. But if, yeah. we,
3: if we want the drug to be, yes, to be accessible for uh, a lot of patients and for not only in clinical trial, I think, unfortunately, we have to go step by step. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, have we have to demonstrate the benefit of upfront line. We have to demonstrate the benefit of front line. There are a lot of phase 3 study that are ongoing. And I think, of course, the, the way is to decrease the, the toxicity uh, also in, in AYA patients because we know that we have reached sailing in terms of toxicity. In, in, in elderly, it's known for years, but in AYA, it's also the cases. I think that we have reached a maximum in terms of intensity, in terms of asparaginase, for instance. And now, if we want to go back and de-escalate, we have to go step by step, I agree on the direction. and uh, But if we want, we want to make the, the drug accessible for everybody, then we have to respect.
2: But, <laughs> yes, I, I, mean, I, do, I, I agree with endometrial 100%. Yeah. But my question is right now, what do we compare to? Because let's say you want to embark into a trial, you know, Blenna chemotherapy, that we work, together we work on it, versus chemotherapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So OK, when you go for endometrial, it will take you three, four, five years to get to the endpoint. But, but then we know that I know is better than a hyper-C vat blender alone. So we need to have, if we have really an optimal regimen we can compare to by all means, but the system, but the, the treatment is evolving so rapidly that we cannot pick a winner to go for trial. Yeah. In my trial. In principle, concern. I
0: think we all, we <laughs> yeah. totally agree. I mean, you're completely right. Unfortunately, at least for Europe and uh, most likely Nicola understand better than you my point. We unfortunately have to respect some rules and we have to prove despite we believe that sometimes so, it does so, not make sense. So can we be we, brave?
1: I mean, we're here. We're, we, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of three luminaries in, in, in ALL. Can we be brave and propose randomized designs that do just that? You can still use the the Graal you can still use Pathema, jamima, whatever, but it's randomized against something that's radical, that brings NO and Blinna frontline without the chemotherapy or with minimal chemotherapy that brings CAR T-cell therapy into that frontline setting and now with randomized data, begin to answer that question. And I, I would be hopeful in that scenario that if there is a, an, a, an advantage in longevity I do believe there's an advantage in quality of life, having treated many CAR T-cell patients, at cutting back the chemotherapy and not having the consequences of Austin. I could go on and on, but the point being, that to me is a randomized design, and I and I wonder would the regulators scoff? Would they, or would they say? listen, here's the data from N.V. Anderson, here are the frontline data, you can do this, and then we change y- the you world. Know,
2: in, in the U.S., we have a system where you can force the drug company to give you the drug. If you go for a randomized trial with a cooperative, you can go to CTEP and you can get the drugs. So what I suggest for, for our <laughs> Europe is to yeah, have the, a certain The are like, the same in Europe and the well, U.S. But, <laughs> but, but, no, but instead of like, right now we go to trial sponsored by pharmaceutical, where they get drug approved because they don't have interest to, or they don't see bigger than their own drug. So if I'm a company A, I have a product A, I want to fund A in randomized to standard of care and a B will be competing with me. Instead, if as a government, or as a health authorities, force company A and B to donate the drug to a randomized trial and do the best sequence or the best optimal regimen in a randomized way, that will solve the question, because otherwise, when you get a randomized trial, by the time you get the results, it will be obsolete, be outdated because something else is coming. This is my concern. Let's not in ALN. You really think that
3: something else is coming after the 95% yes. survive?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I think it's beyond the point. But unfortunately, for certain teams we are really forced. But, but Can uh, I reply please, to one question of yours? Because please. you were speaking about Cartier and immunity and so on. Yes. and. I don't know about ponatinib. We are studying the effect of ponatinib on uh, T rex and NK cells. So, hopefully, with the new trial, and we say, yeah, we will say something more. But with the in the, the Albasadi, what we showed was that and we know from several studies that for sure the sotyib somehow upregulates the the immune system. So, for sure, it's it's not only the 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 target effect on uh, the able. A both positive cell, but also on the immune system.
1: Absolutely. And, so this and is
0: something that is very important, also for in light of CAR T later.
1: Exactly. So there was initially some data, you know, looking at Lin Sark inhibition, looking at that impact on B cell right. receptor signaling. But now we also know LCK inhibition, mm-hmm. and and these things can impact T cell uh, proliferation. But the reason I specified and monocytes, right? It was very focused on T cells, and obviously we have the entire tumor microenvironment to contend with, and we may find that it's not just a short period of T cell rest, but actually there are many other changes that are happening in the tumor microenvironment to provoke and uh, extend the benefit of uh, CAR T cell therapy and bispecific antibody therapy, and the like. So very exciting. To your point, about ninety-five percent survival at what cost? And that's that's my that's still my question. Is you know I love panatinablenatum. I've been doing it actually <laughs> after the very first presentation that uh, that you and, and and Nicholas Short gave. We've been using uh, panatinablenatum at our institution. But I would also love it even more if it was just one cycle or two cycles, and I could stop. And and this is really what I'm coming to—that well, there is there is this. We, we,
2: we went from transplant to <laughs> lifetime treatment. To...
1: I'm I'm very I'm very That's aggressive. Uh, yes, uh, because I think that you know we can we we're all inspired by our patients to do better and and right. to make it easier. And as you pointed out, I want this to be CML.
0: hand, for stopping. We have, must be ethical. So we need time to, to, to okay. confirm our results. I'm <laughs> very... Very good. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemong and subscribe to VJHemong Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.